Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Dodge that. Welcome back to the BBFC podcast. My name's Megan and this week with Diwali right around the corner we've got some very special guests on the podcast. We know that due to lockdown Diwali will look very different this year and that it might not be possible to celebrate the occasion as you usually would. In this episode we're going to be talking about a range of family-friendly films you can watch with Diwali including Panga, Kaka Mutai and Tare Zamenpa. We will talk about how we classified these films and provide key information for parents and young people. So before you sit down for a family film night, you have all the information you need. Now to my guests. First of all, and I'm very excited for this, we've got the wonderful Ashanti Amkar here with us. You might recognise her as the presenter of the Ashanti Amkar show on BBC Asian Network, or from her role as the Bollywood film expert on BBC London and BBC West Midlands. Welcome Ashanti. Hi, really nice to be with you. I usually have my BBFC dinner with you with the critic circle every every year. This this year it'll be a distanced one. And I'm on your podcast. I'm really delighted. We're so pleased to have you with us. We've also got one of our compliance officers, Ashim, on the podcast. Um, Ash rates films and TV shows that you watch and classifies lots of the South Asian films that come into the BBFC. Welcome, Ash. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. For those that are not celebrating the festival this year, Ash, can you tell me a bit about Diwali? Sure. Diwali is essentially, uh, we call it as the festival of light. It's generally celebrated uh, amongst Hindus, but it's a, it's a shared festival, which especially in South India is shared by many different communities where people can come together. It's family celebrations, lots of fireworks, and uh, very similar to in many ways to the Chinese New Year. And, and we call it Deepavali uh, in Tamil. So you, right. you have Diwali and you have Deepavali, and I always put both those words in so that everybody understands. There's a lot of films that you can watch around Diwali. What films would you say best capture the spirit of Diwali, Ashanti? Oh gosh, you know, um, for me, there are, there, there's, there's one film, there's a Telugu film called Ala Vaikuntha Puramulo, which has hit Netflix now, and you can watch it on there. Like, these are the sort of films that are typical, they, they embody the sort of cinema that all of India has. So pan-Indian cinema has this all the way from Hindi cinema down to Tamil cinema. So when you go down to the different regions, they all make films that have this standard five songs, a few fight scenes, lots of masala, as we call it. And these are just fun to watch. So you can just sit there with your family and just, you know, just take it in. And I'm sure, you know, you would have had lots lots of films like, like Bahubali. I know parents and kids watch repeatedly. I know some people who watch them almost every other week because they find that it just gives them that joy to see that kind of cinema and the fairy taleness coming on screen. So these are the sort of films that I would highly recommend. And in Tamil, there's a film called Kartrin Mori, which, uh, which I know uh, a lot of listeners might have seen the, the Hindi version of it, which uh, had Vidya Balan in it. There are films like Kannatil Muttamital, films that are just really classic, Malayalam film, Bangalore Days, for example, Pasanga 2, which is all about children. And these are all available now on streaming services, which is great because they beam straight into your homes and we can't go out anyway. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's such a shame about lockdown, um, right around the festival, um, I'm sure lots of people will feel the impact of that. Um, you mentioned streaming services, and I'll throw this to both of you here, but what guidance do you have for parents when using these platforms? Because some of them are relatively new, there's sometimes a bit of confusion around the suitability for families. Yeah, basically now, now several platforms have started to have um, con uh, account control so that you can go into your Netflix or your Amazon platform you're using you can set it up so that it's safe for your child and that is actually based on the classification it's given so that they can't accidentally click on you know a, a film that's, that's just not suitable for them so I think that's a really useful thing and and the other thing I would say is just try not to let your child watch something completely unsupervised you know I know it's difficult sometimes when um, people are working from home and you've got several things to do and sometimes you just need your child to be quiet for 10 minutes while you're on the phone but it's good to just keep an eye out on what they're watching because obviously accidents do happen and just the internet as a whole the other side of it is you can actually also whatever whatever sites you're using you can actually for example on your home wi-fi you can also limit the, the sites that are accessible through that as well which is a good thing to do if you have kids at home. I know I had mentioned Bahubali to you, and I have to say that that is classified at 15, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember when they had the big event at the Royal Albert Hall, uh, a lot of people wanted to bring their kids. But there are lots of scenes in a film like that, which obviously kids are watching at home. I know this for a fact. But, you know, again, it's about how, whether that child will then have nightmares after watching certain scenes. Mm. These are all things that I think parents should try and watch the film first and then decide whether they think their child is age appropriate. Because, you know, even, you know, even an asterisk film can have violence. It depends on how that child might react to it. And every child is individual and very different. So it's up to the parents mm. I think, to be very conscious of this and about what they're feeding their child. You know, you're watching Mighty Little Beam, which is a sweet little cartoon on Netflix. You know, it's very safe. It's meant for children and it's in the, yeah. the children's section. But, you know, film like Dungle, which also is in Netflix uh, for children to watch. I don't know whether all children will take Dungle as, as, as what it is, as an Amir Khan film with his two daughters who become wrestlers. It's more like oh my gosh, he's abusing these, these girls and forcing them to become wrestlers. We don't know how a child will interpret that. So this is what we need to be mindful of. I think that's a really good point. I think you've got to see, when you're, when you're judging content for your kids, you've got to think like a kid. So whilst to you, oh, that looks completely fake, it may not to a, to a little kid, right? Um, especially if maybe you're looking after someone else's kids. That's perhaps a trickier thing to do if you're not used to it and you're choosing something for a nephew or a niece you know so to try and see from a from a child's point of view what platforms do the vbfc have to help parents who might not have the time to watch a film or who just might want to know a bit more about what a film contains yeah so we've just updated our website which is looking really really good and it's there's just so much information there now based on all the classifications that we've done so you can go in there and parents can search these facilities we also have a, an app which is really convenient i use that at home you know when i'm trying to keep track of my daughter who has very fast fingers on her ipad so i, I use that to very easily check classifications you can check what's in it because what's to remember is that obviously you know, we, we make age recommendations, but ultimately parents know their kids, right? Every child's experience is specific and different. And there may be things that some children react to that some don't. So it's really good to check that out and know really what's in the film. 
because we have the short ratings info, which will give you kind of the headlines. But you can actually go in and look at the longer ratings info as well, which contains a lot more detailed information about what may impact your kids. I think that's a really valid point, really useful for parents to know and be aware of. And it's great that we have that resource available for them. So now onto the films to watch as Diwali and starting at the junior categories, I wanted to start with Panga. It was released back in January of this year. Uh, so it's a fairly new one to explore as a family. The film is a Hindi language family drama in which a retired Kabaddi champion makes a comeback with the support of her husband and son. It's rated U for very mild bad language, so it's suitable for the whole family to watch together this year. So what makes this a good film to watch as a family this Diwali? So, you know, it's always wonderful to see a family unit in a film that's that doesn't have the stereotypes. So with Indian cinema in particular, we always come across this, you'll have the mean mother-in-law, the husband who's subjugating his wife, these sort of tropes continue to to kind of hit cinema still even into 2020 and it was wonderful to see this turned around and Ashwini Ayer Tiwari the uh, director of, of this film you know I, I think that the female gaze that she has had is to say that look the men that I've met in my life perhaps are not the way they're depicted in in all these films and that's what she's brought to us and what I love about this is that she, you know, this is a woman who was a sportswoman. She fell in love. She had a, you know, she got married. She has a child and the child has special needs. So she decides to devote her life to the, to the child. And this child is this really super bright, super, super fantastic little boy who wants to see his parents thriving. And what he didn't know about his mother and his dad, dad told him that actually your mother gave up her entire career for you. And this boy feels like he wants to do something for his mother. And the best thing he could think of was to encourage her to get fit again. And perhaps, you know, and she actually didn't think that she would go back into Kabaddi. It's, it is a, it's a contact sport. It is pretty dangerous. But uh, this little boy kept pushing her. He would, you know, there are scenes that show him, you know, waking up in the morning, waking them up in the morning, I should say. He was obviously awake and very, very vibrant. And parents will resonate to this so much, you know, the energetic kid. But then this kid coming and, and telling his mom, you know, you should be eating a keto diet. You should be doing this. You should. And this is all so uplifting and inspiring and it was just lovely to see that in you know in in a in an Indian film and to see how you know uh, a little boy and his father who just supports the whole whole of this process because it's really hard the father hasn't been you know hasn't been a father in that sense he hasn't cooked for the child he doesn't know what medications this child needs every day and you see them teaming up to help this woman get back to what is her passion. And I just felt totally uplifted watching it. And I'm sure any family who watches this will just feel the same way. Yeah, um, I completely loved the kind of teamwork element and there was really sweet scenes between the family. Um, I also just loved Addy in the film. I thought he was fantastic. Um, when he tells her to go on the keto diet, just it made me laugh so much. And I think it resonates with the whole family, doesn't it? Because there's aspects that really parents will relate to, but there's also a lot of really sweet moments that kids would also kind of understand and relate to as well. I really like the female characters, which not just in Indian cinema, but just cinema as a whole, often you get kind of very outlines of female characters, whereas this wasn't the case at all in this film. Both, um, you know, the lead actress who, who plays the, the Kabaddi champion and her coach were just such great characters and their interaction and relationship was really enjoyable. I've, I've uh, spent some time with Risha 
Chada, who plays that character of the coach. And she is just absolutely, as a person as well, she is so vibrant and, and so fantastic. And it's great mm. to see her playing a role like this. You know, I just felt like they crafted yeah. it around what she was like as a person. And with Kangana, again, I've, I've only met her briefly, but she is a powerhouse of an actress. Mm. And, you know, seeing her in this role and you can just see how much work she put into it, which is what she does with all her roles. And this is why she she's she's a controversial figure in Bollywood cinema, yet she's one of the most loved actresses across the board. And, yeah. and, and she has acted across, you know, it's like pan-Indian cinema. She has taken on so many different types of roles. And in this, you just see the amount of effort she's put into it. And I think it's, it's fantastic. I just love the female characters and I thought they were all fantastic. Ash, can you tell me a bit about how we classified Panga? Sure. Um, I actually did the classification of this with Ben, um, one of our colleagues. Really, the defining issues for the film were mild bad language, which is also infrequent. So there wasn't really that much to even look at. You know, there's some mild kissing on the cheek, perhaps the use of the word hell and damn. That's all, that's all we really looked at. So it was a very easy one to do, an easy one to defend at you. But um, interestingly enough, the classification request was actually a PG, but it was so well put together and well pitched as a family film, we had no problem with uh, giving the U. You mentioned the bad language, and I mean, it's very mild. So I just wondered, for the typical South Asian audience, um, does it matter whether the bad language is in English and Hindi, and how important is it? not just English and Hindi, you know, you have uh, films that are coming out in Tamil, Telugu, Punjabi, Bengali, and it's, it's a quite a difficult one. And we have this, even with my radio show, I cover five languages from South India and, and Sri Lanka. And we're always trying to scrutinize, is that hip hop piece of music going to fit you know, the audience, because a 13 year old could be listening to the show. And, and we do have to be very cautious of that. And I feel that, you know, there are some words that, that, you know, kids might hear their parents saying in native tongue, and they might just be so accustomed to it, but actually it could be a terrible word. Some, some of those words that you hear in, in Hindi and, and even in Tamil cinema, a lot of the time they do beat them out. I think particularly for the BBFC, by the time they get to you in, uh, in, in London, a lot of this has been edited and they've, you know, I've noticed this in the cinemas. You, you can go and that film, I would have thought, oh, this film might, might have been a 15, but they've actually just kind of covered up the language or reversed those words so you don't really hear them. But I do think that words do, do make an impact. And these days, kids have access to so much on the internet. I think it does matter a little bit to, to be cautious of that. But that, I feel, is the, you know, it, it is the uh, parent's responsibility in some ways because, you know, nowadays, a kid can watch a film in any language. They can they can get a Korean film that's a children's film, you know, and you don't necessarily know those nuances. Nobody can really police them too much. So the parents have to have a, a, a certain amount of leeway for that. And, you know, as a child, I grew up watching a film like Cholet on a Sunday afternoon in Nigeria, where I grew up and, you know, or the burning train. And these films all had lots of very difficult imagery. And our parents didn't even think about these things. They just let us watch them saying, you're going to go out into the real world at some point. We can't shield you enough. So I think it's it's again down to uh, down to the individual parent to see whether they feel their child using certain certain words in Hindi or Tamil would be offensive in the in the wider 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 sense of things and whether they should police it. 
Yes, definitely. Um, Ash, you rate a lot of the uh, films that come in. Do you see a big difference in language? Well, yeah, as Shanti points out, we're very careful with South Asian language films. What we do is that when we have something come in cinema, two compliance officers will watch that. When it's a South Asian language film, there may also be a translator. So there is a native speaker of the language as well as a compliance officer or perhaps two compliance officers who don't speak the language and a translator. Um, so that, that's really kind of taken account to pick up on, on things which you know, may be missed in a different culture but may, may have significance for the, for the target demographic. So we're quite careful of that. We do see a big discrepancy often between what's spoken and what's in the subtitles. I think perhaps often Desi films, to, to, to use the blanket term for any kind of South Asian cinema, are often aimed at family audiences. So they often want a PG at highest or a 12 maybe. But we often get things coming in that are really 15s and then we'll have requests for cuts for a lower category. Yeah. So, for example, when a Hindi film comes in, generally um, I've been watching that or another one of our colleagues who, who has a Hindi language background, a Punjabi film, a colleague Rana, he often watches those. Otherwise, for Telugu or Tamil films, Punjabi films, we can often have a translator as well. So it really depends. Um, but we're quite careful about that. And, and there is a big difference. So. I think, and especially you're seeing that on the platforms as well, that you're seeing difference between the way it's translated and perhaps the strength in um, the strength in kind of, let's say, native use. But we, you know, we try and we try and equivocate and try and figure out well, how strong is that in Hindi or Tamil or Telugu, whichever language, and try and try and make an equivalent at which to place it. It can be difficult, you know, some things. They're just lost in translation. So you just have to use your best judgment. And also just to touch upon something that uh, Ashim said was about the, the subtitles, because what I've realized is sometimes the word itself, when you watch it and hear it in the cinema, is not as strong as what they've used as the subtitle. These days, subtitles are so important on just not just in the cinema, also on Netflix, on, on Amazon. And you can turn, turn these into three different languages. For example, a brand new film, uh, Miss India. Miss India just came out on Netflix, for example. And that you can watch it in Tamil, you can watch it in Telugu, and you can watch it, I think, in Malayalam. So you can actually watch these films in maybe three languages. And the subtitles would have been that one standard English subtitle. Or sometimes you can toggle that and put the Hindi subtitles on. And I often wonder whether the sub subtitling people are thinking about classifications and whether you know, this might affect a child who might might watch this or might inadvertently be sitting next to their parent and watching the, the film. And most kids, you know, they start reading at the age of five these days and they can read very fluently. So they'll be able to pick up, you know, those words. So it's it, it's quite a it's quite a difficult one, actually, especially with streaming services. Definitely. That's so interesting about the way, uh, both the way that we classify things over at the BBFC and also about like discrepancies in subtitles. Another film that I wanted to lead on to is Tara Zamanpa, which is Every Child is Special. Uh, this is another Hindi language drama, and this time about an eight-year-old boy whose dreamy and sometimes disruptive behaviour masks a problem that no one is aware of until he's sent to boarding school and is taught by an inspirational young art teacher. 
We rated it PG, so whilst it's a good film to watch as a family, some scenes might be unsuitable for young children, especially those under the age of eight. So how would you say Tarazam Ampar differs from Panga in terms of tone? Is it more intense? Yeah, so I think it is a little step up from Panga. It's because you're looking at the struggle of a young person. Um, and what happens is, is that the, the young man gets sent to boarding school where he does, you know, he's going through, he's experiencing some bullying, some difficulty, some isolation. And, and until he finds this really inspirational teacher, he's having a really tough time. And then, you know, it tracks his growth and experience as being really challenged by the environment that he's in. And there's even scenes where even his parents who have trouble, you know, difficulty understanding him get quite upset with him, you know. So he's going through a really tough time. And again, this is one of those things where we can highlight the difference between you and PG. Whereas in, in, the, in the you film, we've got a family film. She's struggling to succeed as a, as a sports personality and her family are really there for her. With this, we have a young person who's struggling actually with dyslexia. People don't see the world the way he sees it. Sometimes his parents, in a way, not through fault of their own, but just through misunderstanding, can't quite be there for him. You know, he's bullied by kids. So you can see there's there's dramatic tension in that, which which really translates into a few different scenes. There's a scene of bullying, a little bit of mild violence, emotional upset, and a little bit stronger language because he's facing, in a way, a tougher obstacle. And how did we account for that in the ratings info for, for parents? So if you go to our website, you can see there at the top, it will tell you. It's, it's very good because it hides, it hides the data. So you have to click it. So you're spoiler protected, you're spoiler proof on the website. Um, but if you click down, it'll say mild bad language. And in this case, derogatory terms, which isn't a formulation we use that much. But for example, there is in that particular film, the use of the word retard as, as he's being teased. So that often discriminatory kind of term, we, we might place at 12. But in this case, in this film, this was felt it was important the audience and, and and particularly to reflect the struggle of that child that it was good to pass at PG. So if you look in further detail on the website it will list even uh, the more detailed mild language that's in use and there's some mild violence and a minor injury and you can read about the theme which also talks about the emotional scenes that we mentioned earlier. And um, we talked a bit about how this film addresses um, learning difficulties. What advice would you have for parents who might want to use this film to talk to their young children about learning difficulties and acceptance in the classroom? Good, a good, very good question. Very good. I think, I, I think uh, Ashim probably will have lots of great advice, but I feel that it's good to prepare the child before showing them a film. And in this case, because a lot of children would not have even understood it. When you think about it, this film is showing parents who don't even know what dyslexia is. And this is one of the early days. I remember this time because I'd interviewed Amir Khan at the time. And, you know, uh, these were the early days where Bollywood and Indian cinema as a whole wasn't necessarily picking up on these, these sort of subjects. And that's why this was such a huge hit and it did so well across the board because a lot of people suddenly thought, wow, this has kind of opened our eyes to something that we didn't know. And a lot of parents and not just Asian parents, I think, you know, I know a lot of black parents who would just not, not accept that that might be an issue, a health issue, a mental health issue, a learning difficulty. A lot of parents just kind of, you know, say that this doesn't exist. We'll we'll just put rose tinted glasses. 
will coddle the child, for example. And this is where a film like this is so important. And it's an important film for both parents and for children, but it is good to prepare the child, I think, to, to watching it. If I, I, do, I don't have any children, but if I had an nephew or niece, I would give them a lot of heads up about this, try and explain what this is all about. So that when they watch it, they, you know, because children can be easily hurt and upset about what they're seeing on screen. And, you know, when they see how this little boy is being taunted both by his family and, and by his friends, it can af affect them very much. So my, my advice would be to any parent that, you know, police very carefully what the child is watching at a certain age. You know, after, after they're 15, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit different. You can't kind of police that so much. Even, even until the age of 13, I think it's good to, to kind of be wary of what they're watching because every child wants to grow up too fast and they want to sneak in and watch something. But what, how that can affect them is, is what a parent should always be thinking about. I, as, as, a, as an auntie, that's what I would say, because I have, I have nephews and nieces and uh, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that when, when we're watching something with them, it's the right rating. And I'm very big on that. A lot of Asian parents I know are not. And I've seen them, you know, bring children into films that I, I personally would not show a child you know, in cinemas. You'll see them running around and screaming. And I'd be watching that film thinking, whoa, you know, if I was that parent, I would never have brought them into the cinema. And, you know, people have fought to try and get their kids into a 15 film. You know, Cineworld have to put, you know, extra ratings you know, like almost at, at every door, just to say to people, you can't take your child in. And it's, 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 it's harder to police when it's on a streaming service at home, but I feel that it's very important. And the, the job that you guys do at the BBFC is very, very important to the mental health of a child. Absolutely. And we always say that the well-being of a child is the most important thing. Ashim, we talked about bullying, violence, and the intensity of this film. And there is a scene where two young boys get into a fight. What level of violence should parents expect in a PG-rated film? So, of course, we can see sequences of fight scenes and sequences of action violence in PG films. But at highest, they will be moderate. Um, you also get moderate violence at the 12 level. So let's say at the bottom end of moderate, what do we mean? The violence is kind of undetailed. It's not very prolonged. may often have kind of an animation element or a comic element, a slapstick element or a fantasy element to it, or it's really rooted very much in the narrative. There certainly won't probably be any blood or serious side of injury, anything like that at the PG level. And it's really driven about kind of impact, the, the visceralness of it, that, that can start to push things up into the higher categories. So that, that's really what we're looking for. We've talked a lot about um, quite heartwarming options you can watch um, this Diwali. And I think that's quite important, um, especially as we go into a climate where you'll be watching things more at home as a family and you won't be able to do your usual visit to the cinema. So another option that you might want to watch at the PG level is Kaka Matai or The Crow's Egg. Um, this is a Tamil language drama and it's all about two young brothers um, who live in Chanel and their only dream is to save enough money to taste pizza in a newly opened pizza shop in the city. Something I think we can all very much relate to. So this film actually deals with some quite distressing themes, um, including poverty, family bereavement and violence. Um, Ashim, how does the film address these themes and how does the brother's positive outlook help mitigate the more challenging issues? 
Yeah, so often what we'll look at in films is um, kind of the determination or the defiance of characters at, at, at difficult times. So, you know, if you imagine if someone's facing something really difficult and they're going to fall apart and it's going to be extremely, extremely traumatic and, and emotional, clearly that's going to affect you if you're watching it. So the way someone responds and deals with something whatever that may be, whether it's an emotional challenge or even, even a physical challenge, that will play into the, into the classification. This particular film did have some mild violence, which coming back to what we were talking about, is maybe like brief strikes. In this case, it was some footage seen on a mobile phone and there was a tear in the eye. That's, that's what the compliance officers noted. You know, so these kinds of things, as you can hear, they are mild. And they can they can pass they can pass no problem at PG. I briefly touched on the the kind of brother's positive outlook. Um, how important is a positive outlook, and um, what do you think is the best message that comes out from this film, Shanti? Oh gosh, I, I you know I will never forget this film because uh, the director Mani Ratnam was in town for the London Indian Film Festival, whom I work with. And he said, he and his wife, Suhasini Maniratnam, who's this brilliant you know, actress, she's even directed something that's hit uh, Amazon Prime at the moment called Putam Padukale. She's, she's directed an anthology film in, in, in this series. And my gosh, they suddenly said, we want to see this film. So I watched Kaka Mutte with Maniratnam and his wife, Suhasini Maniratnam, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I was just completely blown away because Mani Ratnam is one of my favorite directors in the whole wide world. And this film just totally, totally blew my mind because I'd heard lots about it. I was waiting to see it. It hadn't had a wide release. So, you know, we were showing it as a, as a UK premiere at the festival and just seeing how this came to life and how these two boys, the most cute, the most charming little boys, and all they wanted was a real pizza. And, you know, those scenes where, you know, their, their grandmother is trying to, to make them a dosa and making it look like a pizza, for example, <laughs> all of these things are just absolutely adorable to watch because you realized, you know, on one hand, oh my gosh, they are so poor. They can't, can't buy themselves a pizza. Their parents can't afford this. These, these boys are you know, they're, they're just kind of on the streets trying to fend for themselves. And on the other hand, you see that, you know, the, the little pleasure of having this is what's going to make them happy. And the fact that these boys were just, as you said, upbeat is the word for it. They, they completely, they, they found their small joys. It was all about the simple pleasures for them. And that's exactly what they, they brought to, to fore with this film. And, you know, they had their rich friend who was eating all this posh food. And, you know, these boys just felt like they, they wanted a little piece of that. And wow, all I can say is that this film just reminds you how good you have it, just to have a proper roof over your head, to have heating, to have hot water, and to be able to dial a pizza if you want it, you know, because you see the other side of it. And I think, you know, the fact that they made it quite lighthearted and there were, there were funny moments, all of this I felt was just so, so, so beautiful. And it was like a, a fairy tale in many ways. That that it just reminded me of that style of storytelling that they brought brought to screen, and I I I give it a, a five out of five. 
Um, I think it's um, funny you mentioned um, the dinza that their grandma is making for them, um, and this might be a spoiler, but um, when they say, oh, nothing was as good as, as the dinza that I, my grandma made me, um, there's such a sweet message and there's such um, great characters, aren't they, as well, in, in terms of, you know, their, their upbeat kind of messages and the way they respond to things is just so uplifting. So I think it's a really great one to watch um, for Diwali if you're, you're maybe wanting something that's going to make you feel really good at the end. Ashim, how important is a positive outcome in the at the PG level? Yeah, it's very important. Um, a reassuring or positive outcome, it really defines in many ways the tone of, of something. Because if, if you imagine, uh, when we look at tone, one of the things we'll always ask is, or, or can be category defining, is if something is dark or you know hopeless all the way through things obviously characters can face challenges but ultimately they should be able to they should do it with a certain amount of um, determination and defiance at the, the the level of difficulty they face and it should have a kind of a positive and reassuring outcome which need not mean that they accomplish everything that they sought out to accomplish maybe they've learned something maybe they've changed there's plenty of dramatic scope for what that means and what that looks like in terms of positive outcome. So they don't always have to win, in inverted commas, but it, it should be some some sort of transformation, which means that it doesn't start dark, go worse, and then dark. You know, that, that's kind of a heavy thing for, for, for a young person to swallow. And I think that's definitely the case with this film. Would you agree, Ashanti? 100%, 100%. I, I, I couldn't have put it better. I, actually, he's, he's, he's just captured it all in a nutshell. It's absolutely true. It, it, it is wonderful to give people hope. And, you know, the, I think, again, when you think about it as classifications, it's about thinking of a fragile mind and how that mind will take it. And this is where they are so important. And uh, you know, the fact that you are so mindful of that when you're classifying makes all the difference. And we're very lucky in this country to have that. Um, Last of Ali, um, a big film that came and hit our screens in the UK was Big Girl. Um, it's a Tamil language sports action film in which a former football coach coaches a women's football team and seeks revenge for the murder of his father. Um, it was submitted to the BBFC with a 12A request uh, and we actually rated it 15 for strong language. Ash, can you tell me a bit more about how we classified um, Big Girl? Yeah, sure. So the film came in, I think, with a PG request originally. Again, you saw the, the you know, obviously these being diaspora films, essentially, they don't necessarily always cross over. So often the, the distributors will want to try and reach a wider audience than, um, than maybe the film can be sometimes suitable for. In that case, what will happen is they will make a request about, you know, we want a PG or we want, or, or 12A, for example. And the compliance team will look at that when they watch it and they have that in front of them and they'll make a, make a judgment based on what they see. Now, often what happens is, is that, for example, they say, well, this is not, this is not a PG, as happened with this. They said, this is a 15. And they said, okay, great, give us cuts for at least one category down so you know, we, can, we can maybe make it a 12A. Those cuts were advised, but unfortunately, the, the distributor didn't have time to make the cuts before the proposed release date. So what happened was, is the film went out at 15 originally, and, and so there are two versions, one that's, that's a 15 level and one that is, that is a 12A. 
um, or 12 now on video. But um, but yeah, th these were really based around, whilst it's a sports drama, there are competing sides and there is there are sequences of violence. And there's also, I believe, a subplot which actually involves what what was what was an absolute 15 marker was an acid attack where you actually saw the the, the terrible injuries done to to the woman who was assaulted so you know that that kind of thing which is particularly traumatic and you know very vivid very visceral that is just that's just not acceptable at pg at all so they were you know they were they adapted and they had a 12a version and a 15 version the 15 version went out and and that's what happened with that. i mean this led to lots of families um kind of having expectations about what the age rating might be and um actually being turned away from cinemas and um, when the film was released and it was advertised as a 12a in many cases because that was the expected um category for the film and um, what kind of impact did this have ashanti and what was the response Oh gosh, uh, there were a lot of angry tweets. There were lots of people at the cinemas. I went for the first day first show at the uh, Cineworld at the O2 and a lot of people had shown up with, with children because sometimes, you know, obviously when you go and you buy your tickets online, you don't have to tell them how old you are to buy them. As long as there's a credit card and it's all the booking system's already set up and the most the cinema can do at that stage is to just tell you what the age rating is of course people then show up to the cinema and they want to get in and they get very upset this film big ill has one of south india's biggest stars vijay in it and he's not just popular with the tamils he's also popular with the malayalis so a lot of people love this guy so much across the diaspora as ashim said and this guy has this frenetic fandom so when there's a film of his that comes out it's uh, there are two people that this can happen with one is superstar Rajnikanth, the other one is Vijay and superstar Rajnikanth already has that name superstar for a reason <laughs> you know he's loved all the way from India to Japan and Vijay has he's called the Ilya Thalapadi for that reason because people have classed him as the successor to, to Rajnikanth in many ways and this fandom is is you know, it's so essential for people who are fans that they must see, you know, they must see this as the first day, first show, or the earliest, and ideally on the Friday even, that it comes out rather than even waiting till the, the Sunday. And I was in Chennai last year when the audio launch of Begin was happening. We landed in Chennai, we had tickets to go to the audio launch, and we were backlogged in traffic, and there was a, a two kilometer walk that we could have done to get to the auditorium. They'd hired like a little mini stadium to do this audio launch for Vijay to be there. And we didn't make it in because us and one of the other actors in the film didn't actually make it in because we just could not get past and none of us were ready to get out of the car and walk. But the fandom, I mean, I saw this fandom first and I've seen it in London and I have, it, the frenzy in London is nothing compared to Chennai, I can tell you. It was like, these people were like zombies walking towards the stadium and you could just see them. And we were, we just enjoyed that experience because even if we weren't at that launch, at least we got to see what the Vijay fans were like. So this sort of film is so important and this is why the distributor probably desperately wanted this film to be a PG so that all families could go and see it. But, you know, there were lots of, lots of scenes there that I think would not have been suitable at all. And, um, 
you know, this was, this was necessary that there were two versions of it. And I know there was a lot of upset, <laughs> a lot of upset about this. And, you know, I think uh, people, it probably then woke people up to how important age ratings were. And it, it should have happened during Bahubali, but I feel that it took up till, up till Big Hill for people to really realize that this is a thing and that cinemas would enforce on this in a very strong way. And I think maybe 20 years ago, cinemas weren't so strict with this, but now we all know about mental health issues. We all know what this can do to somebody. And I think that things have changed a lot, which is, is a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Asha, we say there's two separate versions and kind of the importance of the film to reach a younger audience. Um, what cuts were required to the film for the 12A rating? Yeah, so the, the, the distributor actually chose to make cuts and um, remove or reduce scenes of drug misuse, including cocaine, and to take out um, a sequence which we referred to before about the actual acid attack. So, you know, this is purely made on judgments. I mean, the 15 classification was available, but because they wanted to reach a wider audience, they, they chose to, uh, to make those cuts. And, and so we, we recommended them. And how important is um, drug misuse at the BBFC? And why would that be a 15 um, classification issue? Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of how we decide what sits in what classification, uh, we actually do a lot of research here, where we will actually go out to organisations that are an expert in those areas, and speak to them and speak to the public and engage what they think. So much of, for example, if we take drug misuse at PG, you can have references to drugs misuse, drugs references, but you're not actually going to see any any misuse at those categories. Um, one level up, you might see kind of casual joint smoking at 12A, for example, or something like that, um, where it's not particularly emphasized, it isn't kind of the focus of the scene. Maybe the scene's about something else, two friends talking about something, and one of them is putting out a, putting out a cannabis joint or something like that. But you're not gonna see any, any real misuse. Um, certainly, you're not going to see anything anything like cocaine misuse or something like that. That definitely would be a 15 indicator. But below that, there are references made. But as I said, much of this is decided in consultation with the public and what, what people are really comfortable with. The last film we're going to be talking about is The Blue Umbrella. It's another good option to watch this Diwali and it's currently on Netflix. Uh, the film is about a girl who finds a blue umbrella and becomes the envy of the town before it's cruelly stolen from her. And it's rated PG, with the ratings info contains mad language and violence. Yeah, this is recommended. Well, actually, by my daughter. She likes this movie. Oh, how old is she? <laughs> my daughter's eight now. Oh. So, um, yeah. So, again, you know, there, there is, there is, uh, coming back, I mean, I've made, even as a, classification working classification you make mistakes sometimes you know so it does happen but one way to stop that is is really to check things out she, she my daughter really enjoyed this film um it's it's a really nice one for the family and and again it's got it's got a young female protagonist which is nice for her you know it's nice to see that and this would be a bit more of a parallel cinema film we call it parallel cinema 
Um, and it's set in Kashmir, which is also just an extremely beautiful region of India, which unfortunately is not on cinema all that often because because of the, the, the difficulties there and the difficulties in shooting there. So, uh, you know, my daughter would highly recommend. <laughs> but um, this was done some time ago. So, for example, if, if films are classified some time ago they won't necessarily have longer ratings information but they will obviously have a rating and short ratings info so for the blue umbrella it's got some mild language and violence and it's, it's very containable at pg very much a family film and really teaches teaches if, if you watch that this young person learns to understand someone who is kind of rejected you know by everybody else so it's 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 really a very heartwarming film and it's got a very nice positive message for young young people that seems to be a running theme throughout the films we've discussed today um kind of there being some kind of um alienation or or um understanding something and and kind of reconciliation at the end i think that's a really nice positive theme that we've had throughout this this podcast and you mentioned quite a bit about you know the upwarming the heartwarming message what are the key things that families can take away from this film <laughs> and I, I, i'm sure ashim has something very pertinent to say about that as well because having a child i think seeing it through the child's eyes you know is a, is a wonderful thing and and, and for me I, I just felt that uh, a film like this where this young girl who is, you know, she's, she lives in this village. They can, at, at any moment, a Japanese tourist can show up with an, with an umbrella that she wants. And she's got, you know, a strict mom, a dad who's really cool. And, you know, he, he's a very loving, loving father. But what, what I really loved about it was how independent this child was and how she was allowed mm. to be independent. That's something we don't get to see even in Western cinema. But this child actually had that, her parents trusted that she could be out and about and she could be standing, you know, in a, in a beautiful locale with a waterfall and with her umbrella. And, the, you know, there was the, the, the male character in it, you know, and Pankaj Kapoor, what, what an actor. He, he, you know, he felt really creepy, but this child wasn't scared of him. She didn't think that he, he was going to attack her. She always stood her ground with him. I just love that, you know, and she always had that, the eye contact, the, 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 the way she reacted and all of these things alongside you know the sharing and 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 acceptance all these all these different aspects of this just made this a very very beautiful film and i i can recommend it to all you know all families with girls and boys it's not just just girls i think it'd be, be nice for boys to see an independent female child you know mm -hmm. that's something that i think is such a lovely takeaway from that Absolutely. And it's got some lovely songs as well to dance along to if you're having a bit of a boogie on Diwali. Um, what does it teach you about empathy, sharing and acceptance, Ashim? That's a great question. Um, maybe I should bring my daughter in here and get her to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, the only thing with this is that it's a bit of a spoiler, the whole explanation of this in a sense. So I'm not sure about that in a way. I'll try and talk about it without spoiling. So what happens essentially in the story is that a girl discovers um, a blue umbrella in her village, which becomes kind of an object of great envy in her village. So she feels wonderful. She's got the thing that everybody wants and it's hers. 
and people are jealous and this is this is an interesting you know beginning because of course especially when you're a kid and also when you're grown up what do you want to be you want to be the center of attention and all this becomes important to you so what happens is as the story develops she she has an adversary um who then is kind of rejected by this village community so so she she observes that change of, of the way he's treated and kind of pushed out of the community and and so she actually starts to make some quite self-sacrificing choices which obviously is the mark of a hero to to to, to actually grow in her awareness and and expand up and actually make a make a bigger choice not just about her so that's what I'm, i've tried to pitch that so i don't ruin the story i, ho I hope that makes sense <laughs> Absolutely, and it kind of links to what Ashanti said as well about um, kind of her role and how she's always very positive and friendly. Um, and although the the adversary may seem a bit scary at times, she always deals with it in a very positive way, which is very much fitting for the PG category it's, it's within. So this one is currently on Netflix and we've seen quite a lot of recent films and older films come onto the Netflix platform. Um, do you think we'll see a continued rise in that and how important is it that they have those kind of films on the Netflix? Oh, I, I think, uh, you know, it's completely, it's brilliant. I, I love these uh, streaming platforms. I love Disney Plus. I love Netflix. I love Hulu, they're all fantastic. And I think it's such an important part of our lives these days because we do need, we do need entertainment. <laughs> and, and this is such a great way to, to get that entertainment straight into your homes. And again, you can, you know, in, in this, this sort of instance, you can police it so much better than when you're, when you're going to the cinema. You have a chance to sometimes, you know, you might watch the film in the evening and you'll think, oh, my, my child will like this and I will show this to them. And they can then watch it the next day. So this is also important. And I love the fact that there are so many languages of cinema that, that hit these platforms. So every, pretty much every Indian language has some kind of showcase on Amazon Prime. Netflix is the same. They've got a lot of different languages. A lot of the big films are there. And you know what, the world is your oyster because, you know, at the, well, it's your oyster in your living room at the moment, literally, like we just can't, can't kind of go out to these things, but they can come to us. And I think it's just such a wonderful thing. And I, I have high hopes for the sort of films that people will make. People are making films in lockdown, you know, like, like I mentioned, Putam Pudukale, which came out uh, very recently on Amazon Prime, or a film like Evil Eye that came out on Netflix. These are all films that you can watch in the comfort on your, of your own homes. And the fact is that there are films that are being, you know, that are being made. And I don't think anyone has to worry that there'll be no new content because there is a lot of new content. And of course, the, the archival content for me in preparation for this to watch Panga and to watch The Blue Umbrella, I hadn't seen those before. It was it was just a, a lovely experience. And I think that this is this is what it is. It's about discovery and cinema is always that voyage, isn't it? <laughs> yes, definitely. And I mean, there's whilst we've discussed some films today, the fact that there's so many films on streaming platforms mean that this Diwali you can really um, kind of explore these platforms and look into these films in a bit more detail and hopefully have a really lovely evening with your family. Um, and that kind of rounds up the list of films we'll be discussing today. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to Ashanti and Ash for appearing on the podcast. Um, you are absolutely wonderful guests and you're welcome back anytime.
So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much. Happy Diwali or Diwali to everyone. If you want to find out more about how we classify content, please check out our website and listen to our other podcast episodes. If you have any feedback or podcast suggestions, as always, you can drop us a message on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or email us at podcast at bbfc.co.uk. May Diwali bring you all lots of good luck this year and success and happy Diwali from all of us at the BBFC and from the Shanti as well. Thank you very much for joining us.